in the, uh, in the coming weeks, an uh, important but rather overlooked Jewish moment is going to take place. And part of the reason why it's somewhat overlooked is because it takes place in the summer. Um, for example, if Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur falled out on, in July or August, I don't think it would be as popular as it is today. The summertime, not only in our modern moments, but also certainly in ancient times, were times for people to take a pastoral and certainly a very relaxed attitude in their life. And so this particular Jewish holiday found smack dab in the middle of the summer is often overlooked, but it shouldn't be. And this holiday is known as Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the month of Av, with the exception of Yom Kippur. It is the only 25-hour fast in the Jewish calendar. And in fact, while Yom Kippur is biblical in nature, it is mandated in the Torah itself, Tisha B'Av is not a rabbinic. So you might want to ask yourself, why would the rabbis have mandated a 25-hour fast on par with Yom Kippur, the day that marks this fast must be a day of such great importance. It must be a container of such profound historical events that they saw the need for it to institute this immense fast day. And it's a hard one because it's during the summer. So the day is very, very long. In fact, Tisha B'Av often doesn't end before 9.30 at night. It's a very hard fast. No eating or drinking from the day before. 25 hours. What Tisha B'Av marks, in fact, is the destruction of the first temple in the year roughly 781, of the second temple, excuse me, in the year 586, uh, the second temple in the year either 69, 71, or 73, depending on who you go according to. The remnants of the second second temple can be seen by us to this very day when we go to Israel, and God willing, we'll be able to travel there soon. In Jerusalem and Yerushalayim, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, is a remnant. It's the retaining wall on the western side of that temple. But not only that, we are told that also that the Spanish Inquisition was concluded on Tisha B'Av. We, were, we also know that the first crusade, which decimated the Jewish communities of the Rhine Valley in the 11th century, they began on Tisha B'Av, and the list goes on and on and on. For us, though, I think there are some questions, and this is what I want to share with all of you here this morning. And I struggle with them myself, because on Tisha B'Av, this day that marks all of these terrible things, in particular, the destructions of the temple and the loss of a Jewish homeland and the loss of Jewish autonomy, one of the great questions that comes to us is, now that we are fortunate enough to live in a time where there is a Jewish homeland and there is Jewish autonomy, why do we need a day that remembers and recalls all the bad things that occurred in the past? And this question is recycled every year before Tisha B'Av, with people, in fact, asking the question. And as I said to you before, I'm no different. I ask the question myself. Because fortunate as we are to live in this kind of moment, I wonder. So before we get to even approximating something of an answer, I want to share with you and pack a bit of a philosophical idea. And the philosophical idea is the idea about time. Time is not the thing necessarily that we see on our watches or our phones. 
Time is something entirely different, and there's a philosophy of time that helps us understand why we built things to hang on our wrists that tell us the time. Plato believed that everything was circular, that everything that happened has happened and will happen. In other words, according to Plato, you were already here. You've been here before. And you will be back here again in the same moment because everything goes over and over again. In other words, according to Plato, we live in a world of Groundhog Day. And why did Plato think like this? Plato thought like this because the natural world is exactly like that. Every day the sun rises and the sun sets. Every day you look out and the stars are in exactly the same place as they were. Every year there is summer, spring, winter, and fall, and it repeats all over again. Every month the tides go high and the tides come back. In the mind of Plato, as he studied the world, the natural world, everything repeats itself over and over again. And so Plato thought, it must be true for us too. But along came the Jews. And what did the Jews say? in the Torah what the Jews said in the Torah was that Plato was wrong the time isn't circular time is linear it moves forward that we are marching forward in time that there is a future and there is a present and there's a past and without groundbreaking idea It asks us the question. The question is, what do you do with the past? Is it something that you leave behind? Or is it something that you take with you? How do you manage the past? Because if it isn't repeating over and over again, how do you manage it? Now, just by extension, if you haven't seen it, there's a fantastic movie that was made a few years ago. It was called Arrival. Amy Adams is in it. I forget who else is in it. You'll forgive me. It's a fantastic movie. And it's based on a beautiful short story on science fiction. And it plays with the ideas of time, about reversing things and scrambling them up all the time. If you haven't seen the movie, you all have lots of time now. (laughs) So please rent it and watch it. You will be deeply moved by this movie. Okay. So once again, what do we do about time? I want to take you to a moment, a Jewish moment, remarkably, where there is no past, or at least there wasn't. And who is this applying to? As many of you know, in the, in the 1980s, early 1980s, the state of Israel undertook a remarkable rescue effort and that they, they saved tens, hundreds of thousands of Ethiopian Jews and they brought them to Israel. One of the remarkable things was is that they had no memory of the destruction of the second temple. Why didn't they have a memory of it? Because their community was founded after the destruction of the second temple, of the first temple, and after the second one had been rebuilt. And so they didn't live in a world that was CNN 
or Twitter feeds or newspapers or anything like that. So imagine in the year 71, 2,000 years ago, the second temple is destroyed. Jews make their way all over the world, but the Ethiopian community that had left the land of Israel before the second temple was destroyed, they had no idea. And there's an article that's written, I want to share a small part of it with you, by this Ethiopian scholar, a woman. Her name is uh, Micha Avera Samueli. And this is what she said. Up until the age of nine, I lived in a world where the Holy Temple in Jerusalem actually existed. Like my parents and teachers, I believed that the Second Temple stood in its place in Jerusalem and was literally made of gold. I grew up hearing about the high priests and how they worked in the temple. I was put to bed at night just listening to the stories about a halo covering Jerusalem, about how Jews who merited to dwell in the holy city were cloaked in white garments, that they were people blessed with pure hearts and clean thoughts and devoid of sin. And overhead, I would imagine the Shekhinah, the divine presence, hovering it all over as angels. Of course, at the age of nine, what happened? She was brought to Israel. And she confronted, along with all the other people who went with her, the realization of what actually occurred. The temple had been destroyed. And the hopes and dreams that she had had as a little girl of coming to Israel and seeing it was not possible. For the record, it wasn't just her who suffered this. All the Ethiopians who came to Israel at that time were in absolute shock that the temple didn't exist and they didn't know what to do to themselves. If time moves forward, then what do we do with the past? The Jews have an answer for that too. The Jewish answer is is that we hold on to the past. We don't let go of it. Because a people that forget its past is not only a people that doesn't have a future. Because the opposite is also true. A people that doesn't forget its past is a people that cannot be destroyed. And if there is any proof of that, there is none greater than the Jews itself. Because people have repeatedly tried to destroy us without ever realizing that the strength of survival of the Jews is not the number of Jews in the world because we are not many. The strength of the survival of the Jews is in our ability to never let go of our past. And that is why in 1977, when, when Menachem Begin went to the United States to sign the Camp David Accords. It was in August. And the day that he arrived in Washington, it was Tisha B'Av, the great fast that we're going to be observing in a few weeks. And as soon as Menachem Begin got off the plane, what did he do? He went to shul, he went to synagogue, and he sat on the floor as everyone else does on that evening. And he recited the lamentations as everyone else does. Because Nachum Begin understood that there can only be a future if 
if you hold on to your past. And so, I'm going to answer my question. Despite all the wonderful things that we are blessed with as Jews, and in spite of a pandemic that is gripping us at this moment, we are the most fortunate generation of Jews to have ever lived. We are blessed with an autonomous, strong, independent Jewish state. But yes, we still should observe Tisha B'Av and remember it. Because by holding on to the past, we have great assurances of the future that will come to those who come after us. Shabbat Shalom and Peri Mazel Tov.